0: welcome to what's up wellness from the third floor this podcast is provided by the wellness and health action team also known as wet from portland state university center for student health and counseling or shack we're located in the health promotion suite on the third floor of the university center building on campus our purpose with this podcast is to discuss a variety of health related topics in a way that will be accessible for a non-traditional campus my name is bella and my pronouns are she her hers
1: My name is Josh and my pronouns are they, them, theirs. And my name is Quinn. My pronouns are he, him, his. We're all members of the wellness and health action team and we'll be your hosts for this podcast. Let's get into it. Hello everyone and welcome to the What's Up podcast. Today we are exploring the topic of fat phobia. I'm Josh, I use they, them pronouns and I am co-hosting today with Logan. Do you wanna say hi?
2: Hey, y'all. This is Logan. I use she, they pronouns.
1: Awesome. And we have two guests today. We're actually having a roundtable discussion. Um, Do y'all want to introduce yourselves?
3: My name is Crystal, and I use she, her pronouns, and I'm part of the Wellness and Health Action Team and a a Health Studies major.
4: Hi, all My name is Riley. I use she, her pronouns. I'm also a Health Studies major um, on an administration track.
1: Fantastic. So, like I said, we're going to have a roundtable discussion around fat phobia. Uh, we um, <laughs> have a panel of self identifying fat, um, beautiful people, successful college participants, soon to be graduates. Um, we're all soon to graduate. Wow, that's wild. Um, and um, we're going to just dive right into some of our questions, starting with um, kind of identifying like the process of um, holding this identity, this label um, of fat for ourselves. So what did this process look like um, for us? Um, how was fatness claimed as an identity rather than a label put on us? Does anyone want to jump in first?
4: I can go. Um, it's It was a long process because in my family, fat was a bad word. Um, it was never used, but I had a family member who talked excessively about how much she loved Weight Watchers. Um, I had a family member consider a surgery to make their stomach smaller. Um, my father tried to not so subtly get me involved with sports all the time. So it was always, um, we were running around the idea of it, but it was never mentioned. Um, and so it wasn't until I was older and really was like, this is the body that I live in do I want to be always dancing around this topic instead of just saying this is what I am and it doesn't have to hold me back? Um, And I mean, social media was a big part of it. The body positivity movement obviously was like, oh, so I can call myself this. And it isn't like, it doesn't have a negative connotation. I can be fat and active. I can be fat and wear cute clothes. I can be fat and be loved and all of those things are okay. So um, that was how I found myself um, just owning the label of fat, knowing that it's a descriptor and not an identifier. I love that. Um, So for me, um,
3: I used to work in the fitness industry. And so I was constantly immersed in fat phobia and toxic diet culture. And uh, also during that time, um, I had a pretty, some pretty severe experiences with eating disorders. And so through the process of trying to recover from that is how I've kind of had kind of come upon um, similar to Riley, the body positivity movement, largely through social media and through. Um, leaders like Jessamine Stanley. um, And, you know, we'll talk more about different people later. But um, yeah, I think that, again, similar to Riley having this uh, kind of experience of, you know, we can't really hide fat, like our bodies exist in the world. And that's not something we can sort of cover up. Um, And so taking a stance of sort of reclamation and ownership and pride and love Um, for the way our bodies exist uh, has been a much more positive experience.
2: I honestly just keep feeling my soul like melt over the words that both Riley and Crystal have shared so far. Um, Just lovely. I'm so glad to be here with you all today. Um, You know, I think for the process looking for me, there hasn't been a time where I have not been fat. Um, I may have not labeled myself as fat, but I've always been an overweight person since growing up, so I know very much so what it feels like to be fat at every stage of development, Um, whether it was people being like, oh, you're not going to be able to run as fast as us, so you're not allowed to join our soccer team on the playground, or whether it was going to a mall when you're in middle school with your friends and they were like oh but we want to shop at this store that doesn't carry plus sizes so like you can wait for us i guess or you can go in and share how you feel um about our outfits but you're not going to get the chance to shop um for me i had kind of an interesting dynamic uh both of my parents um were college athletes um And then one of my parents was a store manager at Nordstrom, which is a fashion store. um, And it also carries like designer fashion, very much so involved with like, what's the trend. Um, And one of my parents also is a triathlete, is very into pretty intensive sports um, and fitness as a whole, as a passion. Um, So With that dynamic, I've always been involved in highly fat phobic environments uh, and frequently believed as a child that a fat body was an unloved body and didn't really have hope for being valued. Um, So coming to high school, there's more access to a lot of what y'all have mentioned, the internet. Um, There's a lot of fat influencers. There's fitness people who are like, just because a body is fat does not mean that it is unhealthy. Um, And also, I would say, for me, I'm very much so into fictional stories. Anybody who knows me will tell you that I am a big, big nerd. Uh, So seeing like women fighting, like dual wielding axes, things like that, that brought me empowerment. That made me be like, those bodies are strong. Those bodies are healthy. Those bodies are loved. They are valued in this world. So for me taking on the label of fat was less of me being like yes I'm fat it was more so just like I'm fat and like that is a fact that is my body and I love my body because it permits me to exist in a place where I can share my passions love the people that I love and do what I do to the best of my abilities.
1: I love that so much um I, oh my gosh overwhelmed with emotions and it's so it's so cool to watch us all um in this in this zoom call I know our listeners won't be able to see but we're all like nodding and like re- like actually like really listening and I and I really appreciate that because I, that that's that's just really cool um I'm glad we're having relating to our, each other's experiences um but personally like my um <laughs> my identity as a fat person has really like, it's been really tied with to queer culture. Although I've always been fat from like, from the womb to the tomb. Um, and um, I, I, I've always like, that's just like how I've existed. And it's always been something like hurled upon me in a bad way. Um, I have like through the queer community, like experience like, both sides of the spectrum um in terms of like the opinions of like fat people and how I've viewed myself um I grew up um attempting to be very twinky and to fit into a crowd that was very much um designed to um put me down and that um that also um um (laughs) like push me to like struggle with eating disorders um, and still actually be in the recovery process for that. But actually through like, through my love for bears um, and large um, fat men, um, I have learned um, and and the sex participating with these people, I have really learned to um, love fat people, fat bodies and love myself as a fat person. Um, It's been so fantastic to, Be intimate with other people um, that I also identify as fat um, and um, love and appreciate and respect me um, for my fatness, you know, that really understand it. um, And that I've been able to find power and to be able to, like Logan said, like claim factually that I'm a fat person, you know, it's like, um, and I, I think that. (laughs) <laughs> I feel like in most cases that is more for a clothing, um, size than, than, um, many other things because that's, um, especially as a trans femme person, um, <laughs> clothing being long and big and long and fine and trying to find femme clothes is definitely a struggle. So I feel like that, um, you know, claiming fatness has allowed me to be like, okay, where are the fat people stores? Where do the fat people shop? Where are people like me that also claim this identity? Um, trying to find what I'm trying to find. Um, yeah. It's an, um, Logan, you want to tag on to that?
2: Yeah, I just, firstly, actually, for listeners, because you're not able to witness the Zoom call that we're having right now all of us were dying over the womb to the tomb statement. That was impeccable. Yes, I am I want that on a shirt. I want fat from womb to tomb. Like that is my new mantra. Secondly, um, I am also queer. Um, and I was really resonating with what you were just saying, um, especially about like seeing somebody, finding them attractive and being like, oh, there are aspects of that that, you know, that's on my body. That's also me. Um, So it is beautiful. And I know that if I can find it attractive, somebody else will find it attractive. Um, And I think that's something for people who kind of need internal validation, not only um, like sexually, but also just going out in the world, knowing that people are going to find you cute. You're going to inspire somebody to look a certain way someday. Um, And I think that that's good for people who, you know, that's validating for them. Might not be for everybody and just as a side note uh we've been talking a lot about the label of fat and earlier it was stated um, self-identified fat we want to clarify as we move forward in this conversation it is absolutely okay to label yourself as fat but not to cast that label upon other people who have not explicit, explicitly communicated that they identify as such the reason for that being um i'm sure that other people on this podcast will say the same thing. Uh, I know that I have been called fat in a derogatory way. Some people use fat as an insulting like, phrase. Um, and so that's why there's some empowerment in taking the label of the word fat back, because there's a lot of people that used it as a means of exclusion over inclusion.
1: Fantastic. Um- So moving forward, we're going to talk a bit about confronting fat phobia, specifically starting with um, talking about and addressing explicit versus implicit fat phobia.
2: All right. So let's talk about explicit explicit fat phobia. That is going to be people walking up to somebody, making comments about their size, um, actively like offering, (laughs) saying like, oh, you want to try out this diet with that being completely unprompted or like, hey, maybe try eating this thing instead. That's an alternative and less calories. Um, Or saying, (laughs) yeah, I'm seeing a lot of shaking heads and just like, oh my gosh, Uh, implicit fat phobia. That's going to be moments where people are like, are you sure you want to go into that store? Um, are you sure that you want to go and eat that thing? Like, they're they're skirting around the fact that they, in their mind, have been like, you're a fat person, and therefore there's certain things that you should do, because the goal is to not be a fat person to some people. Um, In fact, to a lot of people, I will say, because fat phobia is so prevalent in so many cultures across the world. So, moving forward, I just wanted to have people on the same playing field when talking about explicit versus implicit experiences of fat phobia.
1: Yeah. So what are examples of these, um, of these uh, different kinds of fat phobia, um, in our own lives, starting with like explicit when Logan was talking about different examples, um, just earlier, um, a lot of us are shaking our heads. We're nodding because I, I feel like it's, um, we've experienced a lot of these things. Um, And I wanted to see um, how y'all wanted, um, if y'all had any specific examples that you see that maybe people don't even necessarily like recognize as fat phobia, you know? Uh, Maybe shining light on things that, um, explicit fat phobia that we don't often recognize.
3: Um, So I think that one way that I've experienced uh, explicit fat phobia, particularly in the fitness industry, because, uh, during the time that I worked in that industry, my body size changed several times, but there were definite, I was never, um, considered like thin or skinny or some of those, uh, markers. And however, I, um, worked out a ton. I, that was my job. (laughs) And so I was super, super active. Um, and I like ate tons of plant foods and drank tons of water and like did all these things that were quote supposed to do um but i still wasn't skinny i still wasn't thin and uh people would comment they would be like have you like had your thyroid checked because you do all this stuff but you're not like skinny um and they were really confused by it (laughs) and it's confusing because we're fed this lie that if we eat a certain way and we exercise we'll look a certain way So people were genuinely confused by my existence. Um, so that I think has been, has been an example of kind of explicit. Um, and then I think implicit. Something that I notice a lot is just the way that physical environments are structured. So, you know, a lot of people talk about the size of seats on like public transportation or airplanes. the you know what sizes we we've talked about clothing in the past so you know what sizes are available in an average store um different weight limits on different types of equipment or activities you know if you want to go zip lining there's a weight limit to go zip lining like things like that um are probably
4: what i notice really really frequently crystal the tag off of your um implicit. Right now I'm I'm really wanting to get into hiking and like backpacking. I'm just realizing that being in nature fulfills me so much and getting outside and walking is so important to me. But to find a backpacking backpack that wraps around my waist or that doesn't make me feel pinched in the shoulders is impossible without buying an additional extender or something like that. And I'm literally waiting right now because there's a certain brand that's about to release a 20 piece plus size hiking set. Um, And to know that I have to wait for something that, you know, people just get to do, (laughs) you know, that is so frustrating to be like, this is the most human thing walking or, you know, moving in nature. And the fact that I can't have the proper materials or specialized materials because I'm fat is ridiculous. And I think actually explicit on that same tangent is like walking into an REI or a gym and having someone basically not make eye contact because they know that they have nothing for you. (laughs) Um, And that hurts that hurts to want to be part of a community that should be the one of the most inclusive ones that you can be a part of, but know that they, they have not made the strides to meet you where you are when fat people have literally existed. (laughs) I assume forever, (laughs) but um, yeah, just hearing you talk about trying to being active and being fat and that the assumption is there is a, isn't a spot for you.
2: Yes, there have been fat people forever. If people are wanting to be validated and knowing that fat people have existed throughout history, please check out the Instagram historical fat people. Literally changed my life when I found that that profile. I love it. Um, (laughs) It they also recently have started like animating the photographs, which is just so cool because like You know, they'll share somebody from history with the double chin and you like see the double chin move as they smile or as they laugh or something along those lines. And it's like, that's me that I love that. Like, oh, Um, I definitely want to touch on what Riley has been talking about with barriers that fat people face um and also what crystal was talking about like seat sizes on airplanes i'm about to go on an airplane and i literally cannot wait for that moment of panic of like oh my god is this the day that the belt doesn't buckle is this the day um i have that panic attack every single time um and it's this moment of making sure that the people who are traveling with me don't notice whatever happens um even though they're literally my family it's wild the amount of self-shame that uh People who have grown up fat, who have who have grown up fat and like identify as such, um, face it's wild. But yeah, so paywalls. Uh, to Riley's point about the hiking piece, do people realize that plus size people typically pay more for their clothing, especially if it's quality? Do people realize that plus size clothing is typically not on sale? And we typically have to pay full price. There is no American Eagle. There is no, well, I think that they just went bankrupt. Don't quote me (laughs) on that. But there is no, like, here's a bunch of clothes for a very small price, but you can still look like the top of style. There is no store like that for plus size people, for fat people, Um, however people want to identify. And I just really want to enforce that. There's also this, yeah, also that um, Riley just brought up a great point, brought up a great point in chat that thrifting for fat people is, feels almost impossible. Like they cannot keep plus size clothing on the racks ever because it's just popping off that quickly. So that's communicating from um, stories out there that (laughs) we're not wanted to be viewed as like cute or beautiful or pretty or handsome um, at that. I would also just like to point out, and this is for my own identity as um, a butch, gender non-conforming woman, I can't find button-ups ever that fit me. Like it takes forever for me to find button-ups. Breaks my heart every time that it happens. I would love, love to have a little like palm tree button-up over the summer cannot find one that works for my chest and my hips and makes me feel mask like I wanna be. So for people out there who are listening and they haven't had that experience where they haven't been able to find the clothing that they want to wear, know that that sometimes the reason why people don't look the best is because they can't find the best for them and they don't feel affirmed in their body and they don't feel that self-confidence. So, I think that that's more of a societal explicit and implicit example of fat phobia combo of that whole rant there.
3: (laughs) Yeah, well, and to kind of add on to that, Logan, like uh, what's really ridiculous about that uh, dynamic of there being a massive amount of clothing for um, uh, what we call straight sizes, which is sizes double zero to 14, um, there's a massive amount of clothing available out there, but the average person in the United States is not that size. <laughs> the average person is the size 14, 16, 18, etc., And it makes me think a lot about the contribution to waste. Like, who are we making these clothes for? Because these people don't exist. So um, I think that's a extra frustrating uh, phenomena there.
1: Absolutely. I think that like, I love that the theme of clothes is continuing to come up um because like it really like restricts how we can be you know um and I think I think clothing is one of the the most like blatant examples of explicit fat phobia that we confront um on a regular basis because like we're like personally um as I'm like continuing to like express myself the way I see myself um I am I am I'm having to find and often having to pay a lot more to um clothes that will actually fit me you know um and even even with like plus size um clothing spaces a lot of them the proportions are not um the same for my body I don't have a bust um at least I do have a bust let it be clear I do have and I am embracing my boobs um that I love um but I don't have the I don't have a bust proportional with with my my um shoulder and the waist size um for Pete for the cisgendered women that these clothes are made for you know so um I'm definitely like um running up against that and it's often like I either have to get things tailored, which is expensive, um, or I have to um, go to these smaller businesses, which I myself, as a college student, can't necessarily afford. You know, there's a, a lot of fantastic trans businesses, um, like um, clothing businesses, like actually for like trans people, um, and um, they're often because they're not mainstream and they're not fast fashion, um, when they're much more expensive. Um, and I totally agree. Like I, I use, I, I totally agree with what you're saying, Crystal, about waste, um, because like that, I feel like that the almost like mocking sizes that we see <laughs> um, is like um, is a further example of explicit fat phobia. And um, I used to, I've done a lot of retail jobs in my in my life, um, and it all goes to waste. You know, we we sell very little. Um, of what we make, and it ends up with like so much waste because like we are um, the average like American, the average person in the world is not is a fourteen and above, you know, <laughs> um, a size fourteen and above. So like I, um, I completely, I I completely agree, and I'm seeing a lot of that. I'm definitely pushing up against the clothing issue, um, and and in terms of like implicit um, fat phobia, I. Size restrictions. I wanted to tack on to that what you were saying, Crystal. Um, me and my partner are both over two hundred pounds, and um, we um, struggle to find like mattresses that um, can do can hold us um, bed frames um, or things that um, are they're just like not built to with with whole, um, withstand um, our very lovely size and weight um, for a long period of time. You know, um, and so size restrictions has um, definitely like i feel like it's definitely something i'm also coming up with because uh, coming up against um because it's so um prevalent in our society moving on what assumptions stereotypes or representations of fatness informed a negative opinion of yourself what assumptions or stereotypes are you still seeing reinforce this
2: um i can speak to that first just to kind of like model um So I think something that a lot of us hear is that fat people are lazy. Um, This was an assumption I held about myself because I was told it so much throughout my life, literally until somebody was like, whoa, Logan, you are working way too hard. Like you need to take a break. You need to calm down. I'm concerned about you. That was like one of the first time, the first time that somebody really told me that like properly was probably junior or senior year in high school. Um, And by that point, I was the president of five clubs, I was the editor in chief of my school newspaper, I was actively trying to get in on volunteering. Um, At one point, I'd been part of like three orchestral groups, like people internalize what you say as they're growing up. Um, So the assumption and the stereotype that fat people are lazy, um, it literally led me to becoming a workhorse that is was basically bred to get burnt out to feel like i'm never going to be enough um just to prove that because my body exists in a space that does not inherently make a statement of about my work ethic the dedication to my health the love for people around me the love for myself um so the There's, like, smaller assumptions and stereotypes that I see reinforcing this, right? Um, I think this is going to be a controversial opinion. But there was a show called Super Size Me that a lot of people watched, right? Um, That can be really, really triggering for fat people to watch. I'm not even joking. Because, or what's the other show? It's a reality TV show. It's, like, Thousand Pound Sisters or something like that. Yeah, the biggest thing. loser yes thank you Riley um all those shows can be really tough to watch as a fat person because you know that people are watching this as entertainment um to be like look at them they can't get their life together like what a wreck and I do want to say that for people who have a hard time like letting go of eating as a coping mechanism I hear you I see you I also experience that same thing and I want to validate that food is not something that we can exist without and it is a very common form of comfort for people um so if you're hearing a lot of people making comments about how much you're eating things like that it's tough it's tough to find the balance of this is what my body needs to be properly um, energized and have the proper nutrition and on the other hand, like how much is, of it is I'm feeding myself for the sake of being healthy versus how much of it is I'm using this as a coping mechanism. Very tough balance. It's a combination of mental health and physical health. You take your time to figure out what you need and also get experts who are fat positive. I want to emphasize that fat positive and fat empowering behind you so that you can get the help that you need.
3: Um, so I think that uh, important point that Logan brought up is that Things that we are told or that we hear, you know, in childhood, but really throughout our lives, really inform our view of ourselves and the world around us. And for me, um, growing up, you know, a couple of times people were sort of directly phobic towards me, um, but a lot of the time, it there, it was people talking about other people that informed my view of myself. Oh my gosh, that person over there, you know they're so fat, they can barely walk, like different things like that, that started um, my thoughts about myself. And I think that one of the most um, damaging notions that I adopted, and I had not, I was not able to put this experience into words until I had heard Tess Holiday, who's a very famous um, fat model, uh, explain this. And she said that, when you're fat, nothing else you do matters. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter how successful you are. It doesn't matter how much you love people or do any of these other things that we consider to be, you know, quote, good markers of the human experience. None of it matters if you're fat that automatically, you know, kind of erases all of it. And so I think that, that assumption, um, it, it's really
4: harmful. <laughs> yeah, I, um, it's something that's interesting where uh, fatness and my experience as a Black woman are so tightly uh, intertwined. Growing up, I heard, I I grew up in a very white town, (laughs) and um, the stereotypes were always like, Black people love fried chicken, Black people love Kool-Aid, like Black people love these very saturated, you know, unnutritious foods. And so i would be so afraid of balancing this scale of I do enjoy those foods that are not great for me that like Logan said bring me comfort um not because of my race but because I am a fat person (laughs) but on the flip side of that I didn't want to lean in I didn't want to be eating greasy foods in front of people. And for them to say, well, that's just what fat people do. They, you know, they eat unhealthy things and that's how they get to where they are. Um, And so that's been a really hard thing to balance is, especially then owning the term fat, then, you know, I don't want when I order a salad for someone to think, oh, she's trying to lose weight. Like she's gotten tired of being fat. So she's finally like making the steps to get there. Or when I order something that's really, you know, heavy, like I love like cheese fries with bacon on them. That's like my, my guilty pleasure. But when I order that, I don't want someone to think, oh, she's like, we know how she got there, you know? So it's so hard to, you know, live in this body and not have constant assumptions made about what my mindset is and what my goals are when I'm just a person that has cravings but also cares about my body and I can do both
1: I really appreciate that I totally resonate with so much of what y'all are saying um I definitely wanted to like continue like say a bit about the assumptions around foods um I grew up constantly being on a diet um, in one way or another and this kind of peaked at the end of high school when I um, became anorexic and um, and it's funny because I've I've never not been fat even even though I have anorexia I'm still a fat person you know I, I will never I will probably I would probably um, my body would shut down before I got skinny, you know? Um, And so um, I, I know, like, struggling with, like, being on, um, um, like, (laughs) struggling with the assumption that I was fat because of what I'm eating or what I'm not eating, um, instead of um, actually, like, well, instead of, like, understanding genes, like, let's, let's be real, our genes are what influence our size, you know, um, and it's all genes, whether or not you carry weight or whatever, you know, we've all seen the skinny people that eat, um, more than, than, than we could think they could, you know, so, um, (laughs) I, um, yeah, like, it's, it's really all genes, and, um, like, growing up with the assumption that, like, it, it was the food I was eating, it was very um, harmful and has put me in a place where I'm still recovering from an eating disorder. Like it's still um, been a road um, because, a, a difficult road um, to even like to get to that point and then have to continuously prove to people that like, yes, I do have this thing and I am still fat, you know, this wasn't the solution to the problem. This was a symptom of the problem <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, I, the these assumptions, like these food-based assumptions, are so harmful. Um, and I I think that like really informed that as well as like they're they're what's taught to us, and that's they're also what what it is taught to the people who t- teach us. You know, um, the generate if you look back at like um, I've had um, I've had family that's been in here for, in the in the U.S. for a couple generations now, and um, we we've, we've seen the impact of um, like how the culture has changed, how the messages has impacted us, um, and how these lessons continue to be passed down. Um, I see, I I understand why I've hated my body as a fat person, because I look at the generations before me in my own bloodline and see how much they hate fat people, or their own fatness, or whatever, and how harmful that is to them and to us when it's like in actuality. um, Let people exist. (laughs) let people exist and let's um let's help like you can be healthy and fat and in fact um let's segue into that (laughs) so um we are actually
2: as of i don't know i can either report or you all can unmute how many people were told as somebody was actively being explicitly fat phobic towards you i'm doing this for your own good
1: me (laughs) 100%.
2: Yeah. So I just want to also put that out there. Um, I've also had a hard time like overcoming and being able to communicate to people like, hey, when you said this thing when I was a child and I don't, I didn't have the verbiage to defend myself like I do now or the knowledge to defend myself as I do now. I still remember when you said, this is for your own good, when you know that the intention was, no, I just don't want you fat anymore. I want to make sure that you're skinny because then you'll be considered accepted in society. Um, so I also just wanted to put that in there um, because that those moments like that speak volumes to children.
1: Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. The messages that we're receiving, the words that we're hearing definitely have um, a significant impact for all of our lives. You know, we're still, we're very impressionable for the whole shablam. Um, So (laughs) let's, um, let's move on to like talk a bit about um, health at every size um, and being healthy and feeling empowered um, as a fat person. Um, we have some people here, myself included, very interested in the topic of health, um, so much so that, uh, that we're learning about it um, and working on it, working, we're working to do it. Um, so um, I wanted to ask y'all um, what makes you feel healthy and what does health mean at your size specifically?
3: Um, I kind of want to start by addressing healthism. Um, which is something that I'm still really learning about, but um, you know, the assumption that health and the pursuit of health is moral good. um, And if you are not in alignment with that, then you're bad. And we really see this dynamic um, with, with fat uh, and fat phobia, right? Like if you're fat and you're not trying to get thin, you're bad, like morally bad. And so Um, that, that plays a lot, especially all of us having this interest in health, you know, we see healthism in so many dimensions, but that plays a lot into this. Um, but to kind of go back to the original question, um, to me, I think, uh, what makes me feel healthy and what's my top priority for my health is my mental and spiritual health. Um, because one, those are the things that make me feel the absolute best, like, When I'm really caring for myself in my mental and spiritual realms, I don't really, like, I don't really care as much about all the other stuff. Um, And so, and and two, you know, I'm in a position where I'm able to somewhat have more control over those areas. I'm able to put a lot more effort in and see a lot more return Um, and body size is not, that's not the case. Um, we can, as we've talked about already, we can put a ton of effort into um, trying to change our body size and the outcome doesn't happen. Um, But when I go for a walk and I, you know, listen to some really good music and I calm my nervous system and my anxiety down, that feels fucking good. Um, And so, yeah, that's the priority, I think.
4: I I am in a relationship with a person who enjoys being active and activities and doing those things. Um, he's straight sized and petite, so it <laughs> we, we have a fun dynamic there. Um, and he started asking me like, do you want to go running with me? Like, do you want to, you know, do these things? And I was so afraid to, um, I don't know, take advantage of someone who loves me and just wants to do that because they enjoy spending time with me. And I assumed that it was, they want me to change and they want me to be smaller. Um, But we recently started, we set a goal of doing 10,000 steps a day because I enjoy being outside. And I like kind of like, I don't know, competing with myself and like reaching goals and that kind of thing. And we live near Washington Park. And so if, if any of you don't know where Washington Park is in Portland, it's Goose Hollow neighborhood, steep hills, right? Like to get up, it's just calf burning, uh, uh hefty breathing, <laughs> like hills to get to the top. And right now, when the way that I measure my health is how do I feel once I get to the top of the hill? Am I like keeled over and wanting, <laughs> you know, to like? Am I on the verge of puking? That probably means I'm dehydrated. I didn't eat the right foods before I went you know, in, in the time leading up, I didn't have the right mindset or, you know, did I give my body the time to pause and to breathe where it needed to breathe and not feel like the top of the hill is the goal. Um, And so right now, like what health means to me and what does it mean to feel healthy just means listening to myself and what do I need? And I'm allowed to have these goals, but I'm also allowed to say, I don't feel like it today. And that's, okay because I know I'm going to dislike myself more if I force myself to do something I'm not feeling (laughs) I'm not feeling up to um and so right now in this in this body that is what uh that's where my health comes from or comes to yeah
2: I really feel that Riley specifically your ending portion there where you're talking about like if i force myself to do this thing it's not going to go well like i just know that that is not for me i don't know if i've opened up about this on previous podcast episodes but i struggle with major depressive disorder and sometimes my depressive episodes get so bad that they genuinely are like if i leave my bed today i feel like i'll have a panic attack i feel like i'll spiral i feel like i'll go into a dissociative episode and i won't be able to do anything um so i think i also want to go back to what Crystal is saying in that mental health is a huge aspect of your health. And then I would also say I feel healthiest when I can eat whatever is my favorite food and not be actively judging myself for eating my favorite food because it's, yeah, I love noodles. I love, honestly, I'm, I'm salivating thinking of it. So I'm so sorry, but I do be a carnivore. And yes, thank you, Riley. You stated it, a big, big steak. Give me a ribeye steak just slapped onto a plate with potatoes and asparagus. If I can eat that meal and actively not feel guilty and think about it going to my tummy afterwards, like I am in a good place. I feel healthy in that moment. And then I think just finally, what I do want to say is something that has really been helping me get into a healthy mindset is focusing on myself and saying, okay, is my inner voice saying that I can't do something because I'm fat or I can't do something because I'm not mentally and emotionally or physically capable of doing that thing? Um, Fixed mindset versus growth mindset, you hear it a lot. It's a big pop psychology buzzword thing right now. It does make a difference. Like checking in with yourself and saying, am I really setting myself up for personal growth right now with how I'm speaking to myself and with how I'm referring to myself? that makes a huge difference, and if you have a hard time tracking that, I would highly recommend journaling. That's my
1: shindig. I I deeply resonate with a little bit of all of what y'all are saying. So, um, I I definitely like am um, have to agree with Crystal that my my health right now is focusing on my mental and spiritual he- health health. Um, that that's where I'm at especially in the time of COVID um, I have um, very bad anxiety and agoraphobia and I have basically not left my house for not anything other than my ba- very basic needs since um, a year from a few days ago <laughs> so I am really focusing on doing what I can to stay emotionally together you know and that makes me feel healthy this to me looks like art a lot of the time um I um this also can look like um I think what really like makes me feel the healthiest and the most like whole as a person recently has been putting on my jams and dancing and singing in my room you know and that that has been that has been really nice and has been really like allowing me to feel healthy Um, I struggle with physical activity and feeling healthy with physical activity. Um, I have chronic pain and so I that has always been a barrier for me. Um, although I love being outside and I do love hiking, um, I need a heavy sedative to be able to <laughs> fully enjoy it. Um, and that's okay um, and some people need that. Um, you've gotta do what you gotta do. Um, but um, I, I, ha- I also hold a lot of shame about wanting to change myself so, um, being like being active in and um exercising specifically like working out you know doing the reps I don't like that that doesn't fly well with me um but what what does um is actually like like what we've been saying like walking in nature hiking I can do an incline you'll see me on all fours climbing up a hill <laughs> um and that's um, and that, that, that makes me feel healthy. Um, I think getting vaccinated is going to help me feel healthy. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and um, I, I am really looking forward to that. Um, so <laughs> um, moving on. Um, so <laughs> I wanted to ask y'all, um, who has paved or is paving the way for your personal fat liberation? I can, st- I can start just by dropping out. Um, <laughs> um, Lizzo was a game changer for me <laughs> um, personally um, and having somebody be so femme, so unapologetic and so powerful um, and, and fat and like claiming that and loving herself um and it has been really empowering for me to be able to see like we don't um <laughs> um when when we see famous when i've seen famous pa- fat people they are re- often rarely my size you know um and they're often um and you uh, i i don't know if um this may seem like a um common experience but like i don't know if you've heard, you know, oh, your, your thinner friends say, oh, I feel so fat today, you know, um, and you're, but you're here feeling on a good day and you're always going to be bigger than them. Um, that's how I feel with a lot of fat celebrities, um, or, um, people that are championing for, championing for, for fatness that aren't, um, necessarily, um, fat. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that, like, um, seeing Lizzo be, um, loud and proud and beautiful just just beautiful she has been um (laughs) um she's been um (laughs) uh, just inspirational to me personally
3: (laughs) um yeah I think in talking about the legacy of bat liberation um it's really been led by um, black women and uh, femmes and people of color, and also um, folks in, who experience disabilities. Um, and so, to kind of like just name drop a few people, um, I already mentioned Jessamine Stanley, um, also Joy Cox, and Sonia Renee Taylor, and Ilya of Decolonizing Fitness, and Imani of Crutches and Spice. We'll have links to all these um, folks and their work below, but um, that's definitely a list of, of people who have really uh, taught me what, what fat liberation is and given me um, tools to understand how to have that experience in my own life and things like that.
4: I, um, similar to Josh Lizzo was like my number one. It was, it was revolutionary to hear of a fat black woman talking about loving yourself and your fat body and, but also like talking about having sex in a fat body and like like unapologetically. Um, and so to tangent off of that, Nicole Byer is a, a black fat comedian who um, is <laughs> very candid about her life and the way that she lives it um, is always talking about uh, you know, her sexual escapades. And for me, um, a person who grew up religious and always had a hard time wrestling with that side of myself, feeling a lot of shame about wanting to be a sexual being, um, having those fat figures is everything. Um, and then referencing back to all of, all of our nature talk, we all love nature so much, which is great. <laughs> um, the group Unlikely Hikers is a great group of people from all different um, intersections who just recognize that like the outdoors and nature and hiking or just moving through nature is something for everyone. And um, they have a pretty d- diverse group on their Instagram page that posts, so.
2: Okay, um, I just wanted to hop in here and be a different answer from everyone, actually, and say you can create your own heroes. Um, you can create your own inspiration for fat liberation. Um, this isn't going to be some cheesy thing to say that it's going to be you, although that could be the case. I find empowerment in Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I create fictional characters in my head all the time that I actively play and people get to create scenarios for me where I'm like, yes, I'm going to use my paladin's body weight to body slam this person. And then they take like 2d6 damage. Like you gotta, you gotta embrace it. Um, again, fantasy and escapism for me is very important to my emotional and mental health, um, which helps me feel physically confident. So wanted to put that out there answer for you.
1: I love these all so much um, there are a lot of amazing liberating um, fat people out there, and I'm so I'm so glad to be in a time that we get to recognize them, um, I also wanted to drop out um, Andrew Gerza's name, um, he has been a shining light for um, me, in terms of being fat and disabled, um, and that, uh, yeah, we'll have all of this info in the description. You will have so much um, to look into. Um, but so, before we um, wrap up our episode, um, I wanted to ask y'all how can we and our listeners spread love and appreciation for our fat bodies? I think just to start us off like this episode in and of itself, I really hope gets to be that. Um, of course we get dark, we get deep and that's cool. That's real. Um, and that's what, that's what being candid, um, college students in the times of COVID is like, um, (laughs) um, but I, I really hope that, uh, I hope our spreading our knowledge is helpful and, um, liberating for some of y'all listening.
2: Um, I think a great way to spread the love. One, again, we've already listed so many different resources. They're going to be down below um, on our campus well blog. We'll also be having a podcast companion uh, article coming out to this episode. So feel free to check that out if that's your type of way of finding love for yourself. Alternatively, um, I would say like go out on social media and find photos of fat influencers living their life um, and proudly being themselves and educating like I cannot tell you the amount of times where I've been so hard down on myself and just like 30 minutes of scrolling Instagram later I'm like I am amazing I am going to be or not going to be. I am attractive. I feel good in this body. What can I do for my body to feel good today? Maybe I'll go and have that Twinkie that's laying on the counter. I don't know. Like, you never know. So, yeah. I just basically treat yourself because your soul and your body is one and the same and both deserve to be treated well in this world.
4: I think um, focusing on the appreciation point, something that was really Following the body positivity movement, something that was a a concept that was pretty life-changing for me was body neutrality and just recognizing that even on the bad days, we can say, you know, my body carries me places, my body, um, you know, I'm able to think for myself. I am able to, you know, reaffirming these things that we know to be true, even when we're not feeling positively. Even when we're not feeling, you know, the the self care, self love journey, just recognizing that your body is worthy of appreciation, even when we are not fully content with it, um, and and knowing that you can live in this neutral zone is is really important. I think not only as a fat person, but just as a person, you you deserve to exist, and there shouldn't need to be. Um, I don't know. You don't have to earn that right. It's, it's given to you.
3: I think something that we see a lot, um, in fat liberation and kind of body positivity more widely is, um, so folks who are sort of observing people who are kind of championing, um, the body positivity, uh, they, they might look at these people and go, oh my gosh, like, that's so great. Like, I love that. I'm super supportive of that. But I can't do that. But that's not for me. But I still need to be XYZ to be acceptable. And I'm 100% guilty of this. Um, like a lot of us have mentioned, social media has played a really positive influence on my um, sort of self image and things like that. And uh, looking at people who have, you know, maybe larger bodies than me or features that I'm, self-conscious about and they are like, you know, have them on display and they look really sexy and they're just like rocking it. And I think, oh my gosh, like they look really good with stretch marks, but I don't, or things like that, you know? And, um, so I have been trying to practice that, um, sort of those feelings that we send to other people, you know, I accept you, but I can't accept myself and just shifting that feeling to, to being a little bit more accepting. Um, of those things showing up in my own body in my own life and things like that so
1: I totally um I totally feel similarly I feel like um unlearning and and or relearning is um very much um a powerful tool and process of fat liberation for me personally I, I think for myself um as like a sexual being, um, being nude, taking pictures of myself in the nude and or not in the nude, just looking nice, um, has been a powerful tool of self liberation. Of uh, yeah, of self liberation for me, um, it has allowed me to like look at myself from different angles and to be able to like portray myself the way that I want to see myself. So it's like, oh, if I don't want to look at the mirror this day because um, she's telling, t- she's being too truthful. I, um, I I looked myself and uh, I looked at my old pictures, my old Polaroids and I say, oh wow, that's what I look like today. I have that body <laughs> um, and that's uh, that's been a powerful tool. I think um, being sexual, loving uh, myself and loving other people and being loved has been a powerful tool in this. I know it's not applicable to everybody, um, but I do wanna shout out the people who have found love for themselves through sexuality. Um, I also think that building a community of fat people self-identifying fat people has been really powerful um, for me as well. Um, and it's something that can be difficult, but I first started doing this online. Um, I first like started talking. Um, I, I, I like to follow people and unapologetically message them on Instagram. So um, I've made community through doing that. You know, I, I like someone's pictures. I say, hey, you are beautiful and I think you're cool. And, and then we're friends sometimes. Um, <laughs> and, um, and, and yeah, that, that has just been a powerful tool for me as well. Um,
2: could I attack something on right there really quick?
1: Please.
2: I have noticed when I've been online lately that when a, uh, somebody who's self-identifying as fat posts like, I feel good, fat, and proud, like, I'm looking great. A lot of the comments are, your outfit is so cute, or I love that pattern on that shirt. This is just a, here's another way to spread some love to others who are fat. Um, compliment them. Compliment them. Just be like, you look beautiful today. You look radiant. You are so cute. I I want to see more of those compliments out there. Um, because everybody is deserving of those compliments.
1: Absolutely. Well, that wraps up our conversation. Um, I am so grateful to everybody participating in this, including myself, <laughs> for doing this today. Because oh my goodness, we really, um, we really confronted um, fat phobia and and we a little self liberation so i'm really proud of you um and i'm proud of all of us for being a part of this um thanks again for doing this for um continuing to just like exist and be beautiful and um succeed and just be who you are because um the people that I know on this panel all four of you I mean all three of you not I'm not including myself this time I love you all so much um you have all been um shining lights for me in very different beautiful ways and I am so grateful so um please um send a lot of love these people's ways through the magic of your mind and the internet um, so I um and we'll catch you next time on the next episode of the what podcast
0: We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the What's Up podcast. We'll catch up with you on our next episode, which will be posted every Friday this term. While PSU has gone remote for the time being, we wanted to let you know that Shaq is still here for you. We are fully committed to the physical and emotional health and wellness of PSU students. Please call ahead to use our health services for flu shots, free COVID testing, or general appointments at 503- 725-2800. Counseling services are still available via telehealth and you can schedule your appointments by calling that same number, 503-725-2800. If you are looking for more health and wellness resources, you can check out our online health magazine that gets sent to your pdx.edu email every Wednesday or you can download the Campus Well app you can also check out the virtual MindSpot experience to rest relax and rejuvenate wherever you have internet access we will be including website links in the episode description we also have a google form that you can complete with any questions about health shack or anything we discuss in the podcast you can find the link in the episode description thanks for listening and take care